Hesse, Hesse, Heka, Ooh, Menka, Ooh, Shekara, Ooh, Resta, Ooh, Zeparu, Enlu, Nefatari, Ari, Ari, Shetty, Reg, Evi, Umakaru, Shetty, Seti, Ua, Ua, I'm a Hotogun, Afer, Dua, Dua, Nebta, Deser, Dua, Dua, and I'm trying to tear, Mepadua, Kahiparu, Mepadu, Umakaru, Herakun, Hutti, Herakahuti, and Marketi, Rep, and Riketi, Amen, Getti, Amen, I am. And I'm ready in Reshu and Shoot at in him. So Betty, it's a kitty. Jetta Hayden, Suit in Hong, Neb Ank, Uncle Jasseneb, Uncle Jasseneb, Uncle Jasseneb. It is Uncle Jasseneb, Uncle Jasseneb, Uncle Jasseneb. Nupu, Nup, Nupa Nete, Nuk A Nete, Nup Naturu, Hutin Hay, Unifer, Naturu. I'm in hotel, unk, 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 in my art, Nusakan, Kaat, peace in my art, Seaside, you set, Nekabet, Wajet, Nekabet, Inu, Nekaru, Inu, and Bendu, Unk, A, Ua, Ua, Dua, Dua, U, Ua, and Subeti, Nesubeti, Pair, Ah, Shakara, 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 Dua, 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 Nekaru, Dua, Nekaru, Dua, Dua, Dua Dua. It is Uncle Jasseneb, Uncle Jasseneb, Uncle Jasseneb. It's just Uncle Jasseneb, Uncle Jasseneb, Uncle Jasseneb. All right, Uncle Jasseneb, everybody, Umanefernehas. That means great risings, life, health, and vitality. And I hope everybody is having a wonderful, wonderful uh, new moon Sunday. Today is the first day of the new moon cycle, and we are starting it off with uh, the secrets of Yohei Bahe or the Tetragrammaton, which is a very important topic for the Amen Rod Church and for the conscious community as well as the not conscious community in general, because this is something that uh, people have gone through great lengths to miseducate, to hide, and to keep from the average everyday person. So we are going to bring light to the darkness today, and we are going to shed light on a topic that doesn't really get talked about a whole lot. If you don't know who I am, my name is Shechem Ra. I am the founder of Amen Ra Church, Amen Ra University, and Amen Technologies. Uh, I will be leading our discussion today, but this is a uh, back and forth. So if you have any questions, please put a question in the comments and I will try to answer it during this live broadcast. Or you can always send me a message at Shechem Ra and I will try to get back to you one-on-one, -on -one, okay? So this live stream will contain a little bit of our private lecture, but the real juicy stuff is for our members only. So if you're not a member, you won't get all of the information, but you will still get a lot of stuff for free. So let's go ahead and let's just uh, go over a little bit of Medu Nature. Every day we must start our days with the divine word, the divine phrases of nature, I should say. And this is a posture that we do um, in the morning. So if you're watching this, you should stand up and stretch your arms out 
and you should say dua, all right? And this means to give thanks. Give thanks for life, give thanks for your health, give thanks for your loved ones, give thanks for your job, give thanks for having um, air in your body right now, just waking up another day and having another chance to do it differently, to do it better. So we always say dua neter, which is how we say thank you to nature, thank you to God, thank you to our higher selves. Dua neter, dua dua. That is uh, probably what you heard in the song. And um, now we're just showing you what it actually looks like. This is also the title of the song that I did. It's Uncle Jasaneb. Um, and it's written out right here phonetically, Ankwuja Seneb. And this is life, prosperity, and health. So I wish this upon everybody watching through the power of the word, so mote it be. Now, with that being said, Dua Neter, we are beginning our presentation, The Secrets of Yod Hey Bahe, the Tetragrammaton, which is one of the most important topics you will ever, ever study in your life. I mean, I'm not even exaggerating. I think this is something that everybody needs to um, learn. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't get a chance to get this knowledge or this, this education ever. So uh, make sure you share this video as well so that other people can get this knowledge with you. So let's go ahead and let's just get started. You know, let's go ahead and jump right into it. What is yod Vahe? Why is this name so important? Why is it that it was taken out of the Hebrew Bible 6,000 times? Yes, you heard me correctly. They literally went into the original Hebrew manuscripts and they removed this name 6,000 times. Okay, so just that's a lot of writing. And for the original authors of who wrote that, it's very interesting that they would say this is just Jewish superstition. Is it really superstition or is there something more related to this name that they did not want the average person to find out? So when we get into the yod Bahe, many people, whether they identify as a Christian, a Jew, or Hebrew Israelite, they have heard of this name. They have heard of the importance of this name, and some of them refer to uh, yod Bahe as the Almighty, all right? And it, it was constantly being debated for many, many, many centuries whether or not God had an actual name. The truth about yod Bahe is it is not only one of the most important occult practices hidden in plain sight, it is also the hidden connection to the Native American lineages of Black peoples in the Americas. So <clears throat> this had to be hidden, okay? Because if they wanted to hide the fact that Black people were native to the Americas, then this name cannot be in there. Everything else can stay, but this had to go, okay? And we're going to get into how this was removed and to how we can prove that the Native Americans used this name and that this was a name that they applied to all living things. And so if they go read their Bible and they don't see this in there, now a few generations from now, we'll think, oh, this came from the Hebrews. This came from Israel. This didn't come from the native people here, the black people here. This is something, this is a Jewish thing, right? This is something that's not um, a part of our legacy, right? So that is why this was taken out of the Bible, all right? Because this is the definitive proof that black people are Native Americans, all right? And this is where the Hebrew Israelite movement comes from. 
all right? The Hebrew Israelite movement does not give you all the facts, okay? But it does, it's starting from a premise that is true, all right? So let's talk about the, the Hebrew alphabet and let's talk about these numbers just quick, just very quickly. I'm not gonna get too much into geometria because this is a part of our private class for our private magic, but um, the the phrase yod Hey wahe or Yahweh adds up to the number 26, and this is the name of the God of Israel. The word God in English also adds up to the number 26 in English geometria, <clears throat> okay? So the Y or the J is 10, the H is six, the W is 10, and the the last hey is 10, and that adds up to 26, all right? And the expression, which may, many of you may have heard a lot in the Psalms, is for his mercy endures forever, is found in the original Hebrew 26 times in Psalm 136, and the expression is found once in each of the 26 verses. According to Jewish chronology, God, or Yohebahe, gave the Torah in the 26th generation since creation, all right? Now, what's also interesting, all right, and I'm just gonna touch on this quickly, um, the Elohim. The Elohim is referenced in Genesis 1. Now, when we get to Genesis 2, now we are talking about yod heh Elohim, okay? Big difference. And Elohim adds up to 52, which is yod heh twice. So everything is connected through numbers and everything that you're reading in the Bible is connected to a numerical value. So when we talk about numbers, if you see numbers a lot, if you see 111, 222, 333, 444, 555, 666, 777, 888, or 999, 1111, 1212, those are not accidents. You your mind and your higher self communicates with you through numbers. And that is where astrology starts to come in. And we're going to talk about how the Hebrew alphabet is literally a roadmap to all of the 12 uh, astrology signs, plus some other astrology constellations that you may not yet know about. If you are still with me and if everything makes sense so far, please put a one in the comments. I just want to make sure I'm not giving you too much information too fast. Okay. Yodhe Vahe Ashe. So uh, what you are looking at in the previous video was a little bit of geometria, which is the, the study of how numbers add up to, to have certain meanings with letters. Tamora is how we move letters around in numbers to change the meaning of the phrase. Okay, it's kind of like a Ouija board, if you've ever seen that. Um, and so we do have private sacred Hebrew magic lessons, which are available to our church past members only. We will go more into detail on how to use that magic for manifestation in part two. For now, let's just talk about yod heh right? Because we've actually found yod heh in many, many Egyptian sources. And this is funny that um, this phrase, yod heh is supposed to be unique to Israel, right? It's supposed to be the name of the God of Israel. But this phrase is not unique to the Israelite people. It is actually found engraved on many, many, many times um, by different ancient Kemetic pharaohs. So we cannot even say that they are the first people to come up with this name. All right. So let me give you the first pharaoh that we are going to talk about today. His name is Waka'raketi. Okay. So everybody watching, make sure you say Waka'raketi. 
That is the name of your comedic ancestor, Wakaaraketi, 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 Wakaaraketi. All right. And he, this is actually found from his tomb. Okay. So what you're looking at is a statue that was made of him um, while he was king but also uh, the images that you see here of these different men, um, you know, farming and uh, growing crops and moving and doing different things like that. These are different images that they discovered from his tomb. So unlike the Bible, right? Unlike the Bible where they give you, and you know, names of people like Pharaoh, they just say, oh, Pharaoh did this, Pharaoh did that, Pharaoh did this. They never give you a name of a pharaoh, but we don't do that here at the Amirat Church. We like to give you real names of real people that actually lived, and we can prove what they look like and, and what they accomplished during their lifetime. So if you want to know more about Wakaraketi, uh, I would say sign up at Amirat University for our new hieroglyphics course, because we will be talking about him in more detail and what his name means. But for now, it's sufficient to say that he probably ruled during the 11th dynasty. Okay, and so what archaeologists were doing around 1913 and 1914, they were digging in his tomb, as they always do. They always dig in our tombs. And Sir Alan Gardner noticed a name that was referred to um, in his biography. So even more than just leaving a name, Wakaurakheti um, left his own biography of what he did with his life. Um, and that is why the Book of the Dead is not the Book of the Dead. It is a book of the living. It is a book of the life, the life that you live now on earth and the life that you intend to live in heaven once you leave this physical world. And what he had to say was, I returned in peace to his, the king's palace, and I brought him the best of the foreign lands and new metal from Baut, shining paid metal from Ihuau or Ihiau, hard metal from Menkau, turquoise from Hereret, and lapis lazuli from Tefereret, best Seheret from the mountains, Keta'au from the mountain of Hesa Heset, Renjet from Bak Desheret Sesh, from Rashaut and Mesjemet from Kehebu, okay? So I'm not gonna go into the details of what all of this is saying, but I just wanna introduce this to you so you can understand where my name comes from and also how we spoke about ourselves. We always said that we were at peace. We always said that we had the, the best metals, the best materials. And also uh, these materials are not always purely physical, but also in many times they can be considered uh, of the metaphysical realm. If you are living um, in the, the higher planes and in those higher planes, these, these metals and crystals and materials can symbolize uh, reaching heaven, reaching immortality. So that is also what this is talking about. But what um, Alan Gardner pointed out was that this phrase here, Ihui or Ihau, is similar to the the Yohahuau, the Yohawau, or the Yohawahe, the Yodhawahe. It's still the I is a Y, the H is the the Yodhe, and then the E is the W. So this can be similar to how that is pronounced. But nobody took this seriously, so we had it happen again with another pharaoh whose name was Amenhotep III, also known as Amenhotep the Magnificent. And <clears throat> what you need to know about Amenhotep the Magnificent 
is that he's called the Magnificent because his reign was a period of unprecedented prosperity and artistic splendor when Egypt reached the peak of its artistic and and international power. So a lot of people tend to think of ancient Kemet as just one little place on the continent of Africa, but Amenhotep III uh, was involved in outside affairs, not just on the continent, but also in America. And we'll talk about that later. We're gonna get into that and I'm gonna give you proof on how we can prove uh, that these pharaohs traveled to America and um, definitely left their marks there. Now, his son was named Amenhotep IV, but later on he changed his royal name to Akhenaten. So this is all gonna come together later, but that is what you need to know for now, okay? If you're still with me, if everything makes sense, please put a one in the comments, okay? So let's talk about the names that they found uh, with Amenhotep IV. I mean the third, excuse me. In the Nubian temples at Celeb and Amara West, there were three lists there that were attested and dedicated to Amen. So this is a temple that is dedicated to Amen, and there is a list with the, ter the term yod Hey wah okay? yod Hey wah is there on that list of names, and some of the names are destroyed, so we don't even get to see all the names there. But here on line A3, okay, which is an isolated block, SB69, A2, we have yod Hey wah so the only thing missing is another hey, but again, we are seeing the name yod hey va hey again in ancient Egyptian sources, people. So this is not a name unique to Israel. So I just wanted to show you guys where it came from. We have it again here in another list of hieroglyphic writings on the northern wall on the east gate of Amara West. And again, if you go down to line number 97, you have the same thing again. Yod Hewa. All right, so we have it again during the reign of Amenhotep III, also known as Amenhotep the Magnificent. All right, so there are more sources that contain this divine name in ancient Egypt, but for now we have gone through three different um, sources. Again, if you want to look this up, the two pharaohs that we just proved already wrote this name down was Wa Karaketi and also Amenhotep the Magnificent, Amenhotep III, father of Akhenaten, also known as Amenhotep IV, okay? Now, now we're going to get into the Hebrew alphabet, all right? Because now we need to understand why this, this Hebrew language is so important and why it's been hidden from us. So the term yod Bahe, which we just saw, is encoded within every biochemical as well as psychological, numerical, and geometrical function in the universe, okay? So there's nothing inside of our bodies, inside our minds, inside the stars that does not contain this code of yod he vah and it is also in our body, and it is also in our DNA and our RNA matrix. So now you guys understand why they want you to take DNA tests to prove your quote-unquote ancestry. Those tests cannot prove anything at all um, as far as your ancestry or your bloodline is concerned. But they do know that the Hebrew alphabet and the stars do have particular influences over us. And by tracking the influences that we are under from the astrology perspective, that is why they want to see what's going on in your DNA. 
for example, now that we are moving into the age of Aquarius, a lot of the DNA that they once called junk DNA is now starting to activate. Okay, so DNA that they thought had no value is now activating. And we do not just have 12 strands of DNA. We have 22 strands of DNA, and that is why there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, okay? So our DNA eventually will expand to 22 strands, and the Hebrew alphabet corresponds to our DNA and our RNA matrix. Therefore, if you understand the Hebrew language and if you understand how to use the yod heh bah code, there is nothing that you cannot predict. You would be able to predict all possible angles that human thought, human word, and human behavior could take. So literally, once you understand these frequency codes of the Hebrew, specifically the yod heh bah you are able to manipulate and control, understand DNA, the universe, and how all human thoughts, words, and behaviors will form. That is why they said in the beginning was what the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, because only God could predict um, what humans will think, do, and uh, behave like, okay? Because this is the language of God, all right? So what you are looking at here on this image is the different star constellations that each Hebrew letter represents. So these particular patterns are very specific patterns that are actual constellations above your head right now, and they are passing over what we call the ecliptic. And it takes 26,000 years for our sun to make a complete journey around this ecliptic or what we would call a great year, okay? So every single pattern, every single angle that you see these constellations take is very important. And we will talk about how this basically is how your DNA looks um, in another section. All right. So if um, that made sense, if you don't have any questions so far, if you're enjoying the information, please put a one in the comments and let me know. If you have a question, please put it in the comments before we get too deep. Okay. So the truth is, this is the truth. Well, I should say this is the reality because we deal with reality at the Amin Ra Church. The truth is the Hebrew language is actually the basis of all the Native American Indian languages. This is why the Native American languages have been all but hidden to every person living in America. The primary mission of Christopher Columbus as well as later colonizers was to convert the Native Americans to Christianity because their version of the Bible, which was based upon the Latin Vulgate and later the King James, which the Indian Bible preceded, altered the specific hieroglyphs they knew the Native Americans would need to do their magic, okay? So when they gave them these Bibles, they were trying to weaken the magic and the power of the Native people. That's the best way I can say it. Now, let me go ahead and give you some more science on yod heh and this hidden word. If one truly understands, overstands the frequency codes and the mathematical value of this hidden word, one could predict all possible angles that human thought, words, and behavior would take. You could map and control the course of human evolution. You could predict the numerical frequencies and their alignment to astrological and earth grid frequencies 
and you know you would be able to know just how people would behave from month to month year to year as well as millennium to millennium <clears throat> the tetragrammaton also known as the squared name symbolizes the tree of life and the body of man this is the forbidden fruit right here in genesis right here this is the forbidden fruit and this is adam all right this is not um a a man okay that created all other humans but adam cadmon if for those of you who um may not have read the kabbalah before we do study the kabbalah here at amira church admin comment admin cadmon represents the primordial man meaning that uh this is also where they got the idea of the christ from and this is formed from the pentagram and i will show you guys what a pentagrammaton looks like in a second all right but it is the combination of these five elements together remember the word penta means five so we have the four elements fire which is the tongue air which is inside the lungs and the large intestine water which accumulates inside the kidneys and the sexual organs and then the earth which is the liver as well as the ligaments we also have in the middle of all of this the spirit okay which is the holy spirit which is what uh gives us the ability to be in control of all these elemental forces okay to the right we have the tree of life all right and um there's two trees alive there is the tree of life that uh you know about and also the tree of knowledge of good and evil now remember in the bible the first issue the first mandate that um, God or yod heh gave um, Adam and Eve was not to eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, okay? And if you uh, pay attention to this diagram, uh, this diagram um, starts off from here, but if you notice, there is a circle missing here, which is the Doth spear, and we'll talk about what that means in the occult world a little bit later, all right? But that is enough to just introduce you to the topic. So everything we're talking about here has to do with geometry, angles, and numbers, all right? Now, what we are looking at right now, hopefully this is clear enough. I'm gonna try to uh, make this a little bit bigger. Uh, it's super small, I know. All right, so this isn't super big, but what you are looking at is uh a the lord's prayer in the micmac hieroglyphs all right in 1861 this is printed in the historical magazine so i just wanted you guys to see that the micmac tribe of native america had a hieroglyphic script and isn't it interesting that they had the lord's prayer which is you know in the book of matthew already translated into their language okay because they wanted to learn the native language so they could translate the Lord's Prayer into it because they already knew they knew it. And then what they wanted to do was remove certain symbols, remove certain numbers, and cast certain spells so that they could control the outcome of history and the outcome of the Native American legacy. So uh, not sure if you guys can see this. I'll read uh, part of it um, in a minute, okay? But that is what the Micmac hieroglyphs look like. So when they tell you that the Native Americans did not have a written language, that is not true. We can prove that they had a written language. And this is as of 1861. 
allegedly during the same time when they said it was illegal for black people to read and write, yet we are still reading and we are still writing. So um, don't believe everything you read in a history book. Here's another um, more blurry but up close image of the Lord's Prayer in the Micmac hieroglyphs. Uh, this says, Our Father in heaven, seated, praise may be their name in heaven, to you may it grant, so that we see that your name stays in heaven, you are obeyed. All right. And here is another image of uh, Psalms 115. All right. And this is from um, American Ancient Settlers in the New World, America BC, published by Barry Fell. And um, these are the images here that translate Psalms 115 from English. And this is the, 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 hier the hieratic script of uh, these Egyptian hieroglyphs, which they found in America, and they call it the, the Micmac hieroglyphs, all right? So I'm sure you guys have seen Psalm 115. If you haven't, um, verse 4, 5, and 6 say, their idols are silver and gold, the works of men's hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot see. They have noses, but they cannot smell, okay? So this is a comparison of the Native American hieroglyphs with the ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs, all right? Now, right here is the, the Micmac, and right here is the ancient Egyptian. So what we would say is a Shenu in ancient Egyptian, it looks literally the same in the Micmac. The only difference is it's the opening is open and the writing would go here. Same thing with uh, the horizon. This is an image of the horizon. It's literally exactly the same. Um, the Micmac just colored it in a little bit more. If we wanted to talk about uh, metal, it's three dots, all right? And it's exactly the same for both, all right? And we can go over this comparison all day. Uh, we go down here, here we have the netter. The netter is drawn exactly the same. It just doesn't have the same headwear, uh, but the geometry is still there, okay? So I just wanted to show you guys uh, what a mouth looks like. Here we have um, a ren, and it's still an open circle with a dot in the middle representing um, the back of the throat. So that's just a quick overview of what the Micmac and Egyptian hieroglyphs look like. So you guys can see how similar they are and why this language has been hidden. And this is all tying back to the yod heh which we are going to uh, bring full circle in just one second. Now, I also want to point out the hieratic style of ancient Egypt because the hieratic style is the style that most Native Americans used, okay? And the hieratic style is what gave birth to what we now call Arabic. And a lot of the, the Native American tribes used a informal style of hieroglyphic writings because it was easier to write. And this is a hieratic style that they found in the state of Iowa. So if you are in America or if you've never been um, to America, Iowa is a state uh, kind of pretty much in like the, the Northwest, not the Northwest, the Midwest. And it is a state where uh, they have found many ancient Egyptian artifacts as well as ancient uh, comedic calendars uh, that were made here in America, okay? So as you can see, these geometries are unmistakably similar Okay, literally verbatim, uh, line for line, angle for angle, all right? So what we call um, the Algonquin tribes, who is a tribe that was actually threatening to exterminate white people, the Algonquins threatened to exterminate white people several times 
um, in the Americas. This is comparison, comparison Arabic, Hebrew, Syriac with the Waholan language and the Algonquin language. And it's all basically hieratic metunature. So this is the hidden connection right here. Let's look at it a little bit closer. While examining the Algonquin materials in the Peabody Museum collection at Harvard University, my attention was drawn by Mr. Joseph Germano to an old birch bark manuscript labeled of Cree, excuse me, Cree origin, carrying two horizontal lines of script lettered in black. The script I was Mr. Rival of Rose, totally destroyed by the Emperor Arulanius in 272 AD. The script found on the steels in the rules of Palmyra was deciphered in modern times, and it seems inconceivable that any Crete Indians could have become acquainted with it a century ago when the birch bark text was written. I therefore made an investigation of the matter. So basically what they're saying is um, somebody was looking at the Algonquin tribe language, right, in the museum, and um, it looked like they they had a lot of similarities with the Cree language, all right? Now, the Cree language, also called Ojibwe, they said, you know, was a totally different people that they had never um, had contact with. And they also started to notice similarities between the Cree, the Algonquin, and what we now call modern Arabic. And the modern Arabic is pronounced in modern Algonquin as ch. So be, beyond those similarities, um, the, the way the, length, the letters are formed were very similar. Many native tribes spoke a language very similar, if not identical to Arabic, which Arabic derived from a language called Wolof. Some of those tribes are the Anasazi, the Apache, the Arawak tribes, the Arikana, the Chavin, the Cherokee, the Cree, the Hohokam, the Hupa, the Hopi, the Maka, the Mohitian, the Mohawk, the Nazca, the Zuni, and more. Same language, same culture, same customs, and same folks, all right? Now, we're going to tie all of this back to the Hebrew. And um, you said, what tribe was that? That was the, the Cree tribe, and they were looking at the Algonquin, the Algonquin language and comparing it to the Cree language and seeing that it looked just like the Cree people who, whose material had already been destroyed thousands and thousands of years ago. So this is the astral alphabet and the astral origin of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, if you look very closely, every Hebrew letter is a specific zodiac sign. So, for example, the A, the Aleph Hebrew, is the sign of Taurus. If you look at the Beth of Hebrew, it is the sign of Gemini, okay? If you look at the He, it is the sign of Aquarius. If you look at the sign of the Hebrew letter of Shin, it is the Canis Major star constellation. All right. And so we'll get into details about all of these things in a little more deep in, you know, our part two. But every single Hebrew letter, okay, is tied to a star constellation. And this is also what your DNA looks like when they have you sending your DNA and they're looking at it. They're basically looking at patterns of different stars and different um, constellations. And so this is why Hebrew it's so important for us to speak in order to activate, number one, our DNA, number two, to recover the memory that's in our DNA, and number two, in order to reach our full potential, we cannot do so speaking English. So every single letter in the Hebrew, I'm just repeating this, every single letter in the Hebrew 
is tied to a star constellation. So that is why they do not want you to be speaking Hebrew, okay? Um, so I wanted to read a little bit from Braiding Sweetgrass, which is a book on indigenous wisdom, scientific knowledge, and the teachings of the plant. This is going to tie everything back to the yod heh wah okay, and the, the Pawatomi people who still use the phrase Yahweh to this day and what it means. Hold on one second. All right, so let's go ahead and read um, some of this together, guys, okay? So um, this is found, I want to say this was like towards the middle of the book. So um, at this point, uh, she is investigating, you know, why they refer to certain, what we would call non-living things as living things. So she says, naturally, plants and animals are animate. But as I learn, I'm discovering that the Potawatomi understanding of what it means to be animate diverges from the list of attributes of living beings we all learned in biology 101. What she's basically saying is that uh, animate, something that we call alive, how the native people refer to things um, as living things is different from how she was taught in school. In Powatomi 101, rocks are animate as are mountains and water and fire and places. Beings that are imbued with spirit are sacred medicines, our songs, our drums, and even stories are all animated. The list of the inanimate seems to be smaller, filled with objects that are made by people. Of an inanimate being, like a table, we say, what is it? And we answer, dope when yewe, table it is. But of apple, we must say, who is that being? In reply, mishimin Yahweh, apple that being is, Yahweh the animate to be. So before I continue reading, one of the main things that um, I was always taught as somebody that grew up Jehovah Witness was uh, the yod heh wah -Hey. What was the meaning of God's quote unquote name? And my mom always used to tell me that it means he causes to become or Jehovah can make anything happen. And that is what it means to be, right? And that is exactly what it means in the Potawatomi language, which still has it because it is based on the Hebrew. I am, you are, she, and he is. To speak of those possessed with life and spirit, we must say Yahweh. By what linguistic confluence do Yahweh of the Old Testament and Yahweh of the New World both fall from the mouths of the reverend? Isn't this just what it means to be, to have the breath of life within, to be the offspring of creation? The language reminds us in every sentence of our relationship with all of the animate world. Our toddlers speak of plants and animals as if they were people extending them self and intention and compassion until we teach them not to. We quickly retrain them and make them forget when we tell them the tree is not a who but an it, we make that maple an object. We put a barrier between us absolving ourselves of moral responsibility and opening the door to exploitation. Saying it makes a living land into natural resources. If a maple isn't it, we can take up the chainsaw. If a maple is a her, 
we think twice. Okay. So uh, again, this is braiding sweet grass. Definitely a book uh, you want to get. Um, and this is basically, you know, pointing out that the Powhatomi language still has Yahweh in it. And whenever we refer to something as living, we refer to it as Yahweh. So when the Bible talks about Yahweh being the God of Israel, you know, and Yahweh being the only God, even that concept is flawed because everything is Yahweh. Everything, the plants, the trees, the ocean, the rocks, the mountains is Yahweh. Anything that is alive or animated with spirit and life is Yahweh. And this is the, the missing connection that they have hidden from um, all of us here so that we never, so that we never ever learn our true connection to this land and to the native tribes. So that is why they have removed Yahweh from the Bible, because if we were familiar with what Yahweh meant, that would automatically um, stir up certain memories in our DNA to the point where we will remember our ancient language and how we use Yahweh to refer to all things in nature. And also our connection to nature also had to be lost in order for us to be conquered um, the way we've been conquered. All right. So that is the free part of our lecture today. Again, we have a part two to this where we go into more detail um, on how to use, for example, Geometria um, when it comes to magic. And we'll go into detail about some more examples on how to use Geometria, Tamora, and the Kabbalah um, in our private part two lesson. So if you enjoyed this uh, free lecture this Sunday with Amirat Church, make sure you sign up for our membership. It's only uh, $25 a week. And uh, you're going to get over eight lectures every month, as well as a free reading. So the link to do that is in this video. But if you just want to um, enjoy the free information, I thank you anyway. And as we always say in our ancient language, we always say dua, dua neter, dua abeti, dua herukaheti and maketi. All right. Thank you for watching. As always, this is Shock and Ra. I will see you guys later. Peace.